Welcome to the Sierra Nova Comics Podcast, episode 15. Today we have Art with us. Is that animal making noise? I feel like I'm getting noises. <clears throat> and, uh, but yeah, who are you and what do you do? My name is Art Belfield. I'm a writer, filmmaker, artist, and all around good guy. <laughs> I should have been a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Your whole Kickstarter was about. Um, you just got funded, so that's cool. Yeah, I just got funded for Black Villains Wanted Number One. Uh, the goal was two thousand five hundred. We uh, surpassed that. We we're one hundred five percent funded. That was a lot of stress. <laughs> I see what people mean when they're like, "Yo, you don't want to do a Kickstarter. You don't want to do a crowdfunding. You lose hair, literally." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, we ran two, I say this on every podcast because somehow it just comes up, <laughs> uh, we ran an Indiegogo when we first started out in 2017, and um, it was a stupid idea because we didn't have a following or anything, but Dylan's like, yeah, it's not going to work, and I was like, yeah, you're you're stupid, so I'm smarter than you, um, and we got like, we got like $200 uh, that didn't work out. <laughs> Our goal was 15000 Then we did a Kickstarter. Oh, what? Oh, I just said, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you said that all. A little overzealous. Yeah. I was like, oh, well, we got to do all this stuff. And I was like, oh, that's, wow, no. Then we did a Kickstarter for $10,000, even though that did kind of, like, that would have been needed if, like, we did get that funded. Like, everything that we were focusing on on that Kickstarter had a purpose, but there was too many um, things to focus on at once. So you shouldn't do that. So you should focus on one thing on the Kickstarter. So if you're doing a comic, do a comic. (laughs) Yeah. We had like, we wanted like film production stuff. Um, Yeah. Music stuff. I was like, Oh wow. Okay. So we should just focus on one thing at a time. So that's what we're going to do for now on. And that's what worked (laughs) with our Kickstarter. So, um, that brings us into the second question, actually. Uh, do you have any, like, tips or tricks for, like, new people that want to do crowdfunding? One thing I learned from doing, um, this Kickstarter for Black Villains Wanted, number one, don't rely on your friends and family. <laughs> they will be like, oh, that's cool, it's pretty, you made a comic book, whatever. But it's the same at conventions. Strangers will believe in you because they think it's cool, they have no emotional attachment to you. They're not expecting anything free, but they will support you. Fellow creators who, some will see you as competition. Others will be like, hey, if you back me, I'll back you. A lot of that goes on. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. So I definitely say seek out other people who are also doing crowdfunding to see if they will back yours, if you back theirs. Also, Establish a fan base, a presence beyond the Facebook groups, beyond the Instagram and Twitter. Establish a real fan base who will come back and support you. And also create a mailing list. I had no mailing list. I had to make a mailing list each day as I went along collecting email addresses to send people notifications. Oh, shit. And hope to get back to the campaign. Earthquake. <laughs> <But, laughs> exactly. But that's what I learned is... Go beyond your friends and family to seek support. 
Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, the mailing list is huge. Like that's something that I ask like every everyone who's like trying to market anything. Like, do you have a mailing list? Start one. Like, <laughs> yeah, scary. Yeah. Like, you know, Facebook can get shut down eventually. Email's going to be around a lot longer than any social media is going to be around. Yeah, in one form or another, it's it's like someone's phone number. Yep, it's just something that people hold on to. <laughs> yeah, I also saw Greg uh, Pack's book on crowdfunding, and one of the things he uh, I learned from there is to create a budget. That way, you know exactly what your production costs are, what your printing costs are, and your reward costs are before you even start. That way, you're not asking for an amount of money that either is either under or over what you need. Yeah, hundred percent. When Greg was running this last one, I was like, figure out everything, and when you're all done, add ten percent. I was like, just in case. Exactly. <laughs> like we went through each each item that we were gonna get, um, how much it cost. Uh, we uh, assumed the highest tax rates. We then went and. Um, I think I think after we did all of that, we then added the Kickstarter fee on the end, and then I'm like, all right, now add 10% because we messed up somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm pre- I'm pretty sure like I'm I'm sure because Greg's been uh, kind of handling the uh, the stuff that we've been handing out, and I'm sure that even he notices that we're, we're probably gonna even fall you know a little short of what we thought we were gonna have, even though we went over like we we set like um, stretch goals, and I guarantee that you know some of those. Uh, we're going to still be getting real close at the end. <laughs> what if y'all learned that going into your next campaign, if you uh, do another campaign, that you won't do again? Um, <sighs> huh. Wow. Get locked out of Facebook. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Actually, that just happened to me again, except like it's worse than before. Um, while... I was sharing on Facebook groups <laughs> and uh, messaging people. Like, I wasn't spamming them. I was actually, like, sending people a message like, oh, this is, like, what is happening. And, like, you should, like, share or back this if you want. And then I did that so much that Facebook's like, you're not a real person. And I was like, but I am. And they're like. Nobody cares about people that much. And then they're like. <laughs> <laughs> then they're like it's like a capture thing and they're like oh what is a traffic light and then you pick which traffic no um but um <laughs> they're like you're not a robot are you um so i got a robot i'm not a robot so they blocked me from like facebook groups then but like wasn't like that hardcore and now it's like i'm not allowed from november 4th to December 4th, I'm not allowed to share any posts at all. Like, I can't share anything. Yeah, like, I can't do shit. (laughs) And I was like, so I can't use your platform, (laughs) basically. And there's a magazine that we're coming out with, and I need to, like, talk to people, but I can't because it won't let me. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I I bet one of the things I'll probably learn is that it's, uh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, uh, like bum rush people you should do it slowly over time before the launch and then do it consistently smoothly and not aggressively at chunks of time during the launch yeah because because otherwise they're like okay what you bothered me (laughs) yeah 
But yep. the other thing, too, is it's hard to have fans if you only bother them when you, you need something from them. You know, you got to be consistently communicating with them, you know, letting them know what's going on, even outside of when you're running campaigns, selling products, et cetera. And that, that's the reason for the email list. It's not to sell them stuff, although you can sell them stuff through the email list. It's to keep them informed, give them a back end, you know, a back end, or what is it, a backstage pass to what's going on and keeping that. Yeah. Um, do you think Patreon uh, campaigns work for comic book creators? Uh, there's a guy. Who are not artists, because I know a, a lot of artists do well with them, but. As a writer, do you think they work well for comic book writers? Well, there's a guy, the guy I was going to mention, Joe Valen. We just got onto his podcast um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, he's like a, a writer. <laughs> yeah, it was like a month. Um, he um, is a writer, and he came out with his book, Unkillable Joe, and you can, like, buy it somehow through his Patreon. But there's also, like his comic Lilith's Cradle that's on there. So for a dollar, only a dollar, you can go on his Patreon and then um, sign up and you'll be part of that like little community that he's got growing. And uh, his podcast that is on there too. You get it earlier than Spotify or something. So I was nice. thinking, yeah, so I was thinking of like doing a Patreon, but like our website is basically Patreon. <laughs> so it's like, and in a way, so I'm like, I don't know, like, if I should even do that, like, what would I put on the Patreon that's different from our website? And I want people to go to our website at the same time. He's just, like, updated it, like, the other day, too. He made it, like, smoother, so, um, yeah, I don't know what I would use that for. But crowdfunding in general, like, Kickstarter, I would keep using until there's, like, a, another form that I could actually make money off of, um... Because I definitely didn't make the money off of... I didn't, like, make money back from paying the artist. Like, mm -hmm. but I did make some money from, like... Uh, just in general. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the amount that we got on Kickstarter, it was dropped because there was, like, a couple people that dropped, like, their... Uh, pledges or whatever there's one guy that uh lives around here and he's like oh i need like gas money to get to work and i was like you don't have 19 dollars then well <laughs> and he's like no I, i'm like broke i'm like you have two jobs but all right uh i'll refund you the 19 dollars and uh he's like oh wow that was like super quick i was like yeah um so i had to give him 19 dollars back then there was some other guy and then you gave us money through paypal because for some reason something didn't work and then um there's some girl, Maria, she did the same. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So we kind of got almost all the money back. But there was, like, a, like a $30 one or something that, like, didn't go through. So I was like, oh, that's fine. But we still made more. From what I heard, the common, uh, you know, you're going to have backers that drop off. Uh, I don't know the percentage on average, but that's to be expected, too, when you're doing your calculations. Yeah. Yeah, that's that that's part of that ten percent error. But you're kinda like, you know, you can assume that you're gonna lose a little bit. Yeah. Cause like our goal was twelve hundred dollars. We got over twelve hundred dollars still, but like the amount we got at the end was two thousand something, which was crazy. Nice. Yeah, so um and then the drop people brought it down a little, but that 
paid for the posters and everything that I got printed. So I was like, oh. And uh, it cost a little more probably because I went with a different person, like a different uh, printing thing than I originally was thinking because I was looking at something wrong when I was like figuring that out. Uh, the dropshipping company for comics that we were trying to partner with, Ready, Ready Comics, we were trying to um, print everything through them. The comics are going to be, but uh, there's like posters or something, and I thought I saw that on there, but I guess it's not there. Uh, it's just prints, so I was like, oh, maybe it's the same thing, but I'm not going to do that. So I went with Vistaprint for posters and stickers and the bookmark, so all that stuff would uh, came from Vistaprint, and it's just chilling over here. I have to start mailing it out after the comics are ready. <laughs> the, red, the ready comics? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, ready comics. Yeah. I'm laughing at Greg because I know he's, he, he's half awake. He's trying to stay awake. He's like, I'm in my bed. I just want to crash. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's funny because I only got like four hours of sleep and then I went to the gym. <laughs> yeah, I slept. Oh, well, last last I night. Mean, that's I, like the last two days in a row. <laughs> yeah. I slept tw- I slept like 12 hours last night. Like from seven to seven this morning, and then I was up. But because Friday I try to stay awake up until whenever my body just like, like you need to go to sleep or I'm gonna just kill you, and uh, I'm like okay I go to sleep, but um, what was I saying? Wow. <laughs> um, See, <laughs> he's like that drunk rambling. He's just, he's just, just yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, if I don't uh, what, stay... Can I ask y'all a question? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is a, this a deep, important question. Okay. Do y'all think the whole Common Gate uh, SJ, uh, SJW thing has changed the industry for indie creators? What's the, so comic, what's the Common Gate? Oh, um, so that's a thing where, like we're not too involved in. Oh, is that I, the hashtag I, thing? Yeah, um, yes. I don't know much about it, so I can't, like, say anything about it. There's a guy that I support that's part of that, but he's not, like, fully part of that. Um, yeah. So that's how he got, like, 13,000, well, obviously his art like, and like everything. Like, he's Catholic but doesn't go to church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, it's about um, gatekeepers in the comic book industry as far as publishers not allowing new creators, giving new creators a chance uh, initially. Um, that's what Comic Gate started as. And then the other part is people are saying that some of these publishers are giving what they call diversity hires, whether it's somebody because of their sexuality or race or oh. gender, jobs in the industry who wasn't even part of the industry before. So that's the whole debate about it. Yeah, I, I, I think for indie creators, that's probably a, a minimal thing because even if you do get through the door because of a, you know, like a diversity hire, you're going to get weeded out anyways. And even if they keep you there, it's not like your work's getting any promotion. So it's not like, like the market's the market. It's going to decide what's quality. So if your stuff works, it's going to work. And I think that um, holding gatekeepers who basically earn the right to be gatekeepers as the one responsible for a comic not being successful 
is on the creator, not the gatekeepers. You know, like there's a there's a book called The Third Door that talks about like if you want to get in someplace, like there's always a third door. Oh, the front door is closed. The back door is closed. Find a window, right? Like so. The the point is that if you're trying to get your exactly, time, if you're passionate enough about it and you work hard enough, you can get anything done. You know, so it's not yep. like and, and then there's alternate routes like. Uh, one of the people I follow, uh, Tom Bilyeu, like he made millions of dollars in a nutritional company, then started a YouTube channel to build an audience, and now he has a company called IT Comics, and it's uh, a new indie comic company that they do their own uh, publishing. So that's cool. So like that's the thing. It's like you know, like there's there's alternate routes to get there. If it's only because you know you're broke that you can't do it, it's like well solve the broke problem you know if you were able to create a comp- solve the broke problem yeah 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 you know what i mean like this is you know, yeah, yeah, right yeah but it's like uh you, you know damon john um the shark tank yeah yeah he, he has a book called the power of broke and it all talks about that it's like if you're broke and that's an issue use that anger whatever you got towards that towards becoming not broke figure it out like, <laughs> <laughs> no that's smart especially with crowdfunding and even just going to conventions, the direct to consumer market is huge. hundred percent. And even if you got a, you know, you go to Taco Bell, you want a job. The person interviewing you is the gatekeeper. Every industry is going to have a gatekeeper, whether we like it or not. There's going to be someone there to tell you no, or that you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. <laughs> so that's any industry. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing, too, you know, with stuff like comic books, like, it's the people that are in the industry are large, right? But there's so many people that there's ways, like, for for instance, we're becoming a digital publishing company. Like, we're going we're gonna to be publishing other people's comics, right? Like, that's part of our goal. And so, you know, we didn't start with any money. Like, <laughs> we're just doing it. We're doing, like a huge chunk of the stuff we're doing is free, communicating and networking. You know, like that's 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 basically what you can do. And if you're if you're not good at that, read a book. You can go to the library. It's free. Go online at the library. It's free. You know what I mean? Like, you know, there's there's like a thousand to get where you need to be. You know, like if if something's holding you up, there. Not only are there free ways, there's paid ways, but, you know, the, the free ways take a little longer, they feel a little better. <laughs> exactly. I just released uh, a three-issue miniseries through Antarctic Press called Tainted Love. It was about a girl that loves dating supervillains. And <laughs> I got the idea because a lot of women I met, they love dirt- dating, you know, dirtbags, douchebags, yeah. whatever. And so I was like, hey, let's apply that to comic books. So I was like, because I was told, Oh, you're not, you're boring. You're not exciting. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not robbing banks and selling drugs, but uh, you have a set of women that love that. (laughs) So that's where that idea came from. But my point is originally I pitched this uh, comic to Alterna and Peter, the publisher, he wrote me this long personal email basically saying, you know, your book is shit. He didn't say that. He said it in a nice way. But, um, (laughs) I appreciated the, the fact that he took the time and wrote like a three-page email in response to my pitch. That's and really cool. me was, you know, I felt a little upset, like, fuck you. But <laughs> when I thought about it, I was like, <laughs> this is just one person's opinion. 
And a few months later, I got to deal with Antarctic Press, and now the book has sold thousands of copies, so it's poetic justice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, like, um, we, we're sort of a gatekeeper for people that are on our platform, but, like, we basically take anybody. So, uh, there, I get questions on Instagram or whatever all the time, like, they're like, so what kind of, like, genre are you looking for? I'm like, anything. And they're like, so, like, a sci-fi comic? I'm like, anything. Uh, uh, we're taking anything. Um, and the, they're like, oh, uh, is there, like, mature content? Like, okay. I'm like, that's completely fine. I don't really care about that's that. Part of anything, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's part of Dude, the definition. I the mature content on Indiegogo and Kickstarter makes thousands of dollars. Man, yeah. People love that stuff. Because sex sells. I need some well, TNA comics. It's not even just sex. It's what's ever against, uh, you know, the man, whoever the man is in anyone's life. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's... Becky Lynch. It. Huh? Oh, I said oh, Becky Lynch is the man. Who is it? Becky Lynch. She's in the WWE. She calls herself the man. Oh. Oh, oh, oh shit. Wait, it's funny as shit. Oh. Wait, is that the poster that you have? <laughs> That's weird. Oh, wow. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I got this at, I, I won this at um, Comic-Con a couple of years ago. <laughs> in uh, in uh, New York. Nice. Yeah. I spun a dial or something. I don't remember what I did. I did something and I won. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, comic conventions, we haven't been like a vendor at yet. I kind of want to next year if it's so. Okay, um, we've been to them, and if you're not dressed up, I think, if you're not dressed up and actually taking part in it, and you're just walking around, it's like you're in a mall where there's, like, just furries, um, <laughs> that, I don't, I've been to one of those dimensions, yeah, yeah, they have, like, uh, the, uh, one in Saratoga here, they have one, like, a separate room for furries. Yeah, it's like just a separate room, and I'm like, why are they all going to that room? Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, and then the indie creator, yeah, <laughs> and then the indie comic creator at one of those comic cons, um, they're like pushed to the back. Like there's a guy that we met at the Albany one, and he was sitting on this little brick island in this hotel that we were at. Um, and then there's, like, comic book stores that actually have, like, full, like, tables set up with, like, pop, uh, Funkos and stuff. And I'm like, oh, but this guy's just, like, sitting over here and he has, like, an amazing comic. <laughs> yeah, an amazing artwork, but, like, basically no one was stopping by. That, that's kind of, like, one of our things that we want to resolve with indie comics is that the reason that you go to the pop Funko stand is purely quantity. There's so much stuff that it's worth your time stopping by. Like, um, uh, yesterday, somebody I, I know who has a crap ton of followers on Instagram, um, she was promoting a um, this guy's account who was, like, her business coach. And they did this video that didn't make any sense. It was, like, intentionally supposed to be, like, what's so awesome about this? So I go to his account. He's got 20 followers. I'm like, nope, I'm not going to spend any time trying to figure it out. There's not enough, <laughs> there's not enough like, uh, social proof or just... Uh, you know uh, what's what's it called? Like proof by numbers in the sense that 
if there was enough followers, even if they were fake, and it's at least intriguing enough that I got to figure out why, right? Like curiosity. But if I go, if I go to like a, a comic book convention and I see a table and it's got two comics on it, it's not worth the amount of time I could spend at any other booth that has 300. And so by collecting a variety of comics from all of our various creators on our platform, we could potentially get a booth with say 30, 40 comics at it, like a variety, not fit like a number I'm more than 40, but like a 40 varieties of comics at one table. That's now worth someone's time to stop by. That's a good way to look at that because you want to create, you know, the illusion of success. If they just see one t book at the table, like you said earlier, they might just pass it by. But if they see 20 or 30 different books, they're like, hey, this is a serious publisher. Let me check out what they have. Yeah, exactly. And, and even if it's subconsciously, that's the reason why it's like, they, they might even enjoy the artwork. Like the only reason Greg and I stopped by that guy's booth is because we're getting into the indie comic industry. So we're intrigued by the guy who's an indie comic artist. But outside of that, like to get someone's initial interest, like that's what that's what commercials are for. That's or, uh, what is it? Trailers are for movies. Like half the time now they tell you the whole damn movie in the trailer because they really want you to see this movie and not the other movie that you have an option to see. Exactly. Yeah, and so that's the thing. It's like you ha you have to give them a lot, and that's why what was it? Uh, the End Game trailers, right? For Marvel, they literally made up scenes that weren't even in the movie, so that they could give you more trailers, so you were more excited, even though it had nothing to do with the movie. Nothing at all. It's that bait and switch. <laughs> yeah, and there's and there's nothing wrong with that because you what you as long as the product or service or offer at the end is of enough value that 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 initial you know switch uh bait and switch is like oh that's fine you just needed to get my attention this is awesome right like i, I i'm fine with that it was awesome watching trailers that it turns out they had nothing to do with the movie I mean, <laughs> the footage of the movie i wanted to see if anything you gave me more right like so it's like that's that's kind of the uh the whole concept with that it's like you just need um you just need a lot you, there needs to be some draw and uh, quantity is uh one of the easiest ways to do that exactly especially they love sticking um indie creators in artist alley so you're competing against all these thousands of prints of harley yep. quinn batman whoever so it makes it harder for you if you're the lone indie guy with a comic book versus all these prints yep so I stopped going to Artist Alley. I'm like, no, don't put me in there. I want to be in the dealer's room or I want a table by the door when people come in. And a lot of creators don't realize you have the option at some of these cons, especially if you become a regular at that con, they're like, no, this is where I want my table. A lot of creators don't even realize they have that power. Well, the other thing too is like, when when people are buying like you're the one putting up the money like don't pay for it if you don't want it you know what i mean like <laughs> don't 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 like in the beginning like the way i like to think about it is in, in the beginning you should be a yes man right you should agree to a ton of things because you don't have any opportunities so you need to just branch out and then after that that's when you can start saying no like no i've been to 20 conventions or whatever i've had you know 20 artist alley views like i don't want that one anymore and i'm still giving you money i want to go over here if not exactly. you don't get my money 
right? I'd rather walk up here with a sign and a table hung around my neck so that I can uh, hand out my stuff on the fly to be stuck someplace that it's not going to be a value to me. Exactly. And I don't think Artist Alley is a good value for indie creators. Some, they used to, at these big cons, would have a small press section, but they've done away with that. I haven't seen that in years. It's funny. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that starts to come back, though, because it seems like comics are making a big move again, um, mostly because the people that really enjoyed comics are now hitting the age where they've got plenty of money to play with. Right. And then the and then the kids of some of those people are still interested in comics because it was just you know shown to them when they were younger. Right. And so like uh, there, when I was at New York Comic Con in 2018, there was a whole panel called Musicians Make Comics. And it was, oh, a bunch wow. of, yeah, it was a bunch of artists, who, like, like DMC, Steve Aoki, and two other artists, I have no idea who they were because they were younger, um, were creating comic book companies because it was what influenced them when they were younger. So they're like, all right, this got me into music. This got me to my through my career. I'm going to now create the same work for someone else. No, I like that. Yeah, so it's, it's really, it's very interesting, the move that's being made. And what... What I'm uh, hypothesizing is that um, when it comes to, like, so I, I own the, the, Adobe, uh, the entire Adobe Master Collection. And so there's all these, like, video editors, graphic designers, even uh, audio you know, editors, right? And over the last, like, 10 years, things like websites, um, you know, graphic design builders and video editors have become templated things that you can pay monthly for. Like there's a thing called render for it. You pay $10 a month and you can make an amazing video if it was only your video, but like anyone else can nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you can make an amazing video um, where like, it, like I can't remember who it is. My brother's uh, does music production and there's somebody he follows a big name artist who he has a audio visualizer, those things that move to the beats of the song. And I looked up on render Forest, It's the very first template. It's the very first one, which means they <laughs> went to this thing, paid $10 for it. Now they have access to it. They're like, audio visualizer, template, first one, put the song in it. That's all they did. And then they added their name, right? And so I think what's happening is that's, that's already happened with graphic design and templates. It's now happening heavily with video and templates. It's happening yeah. with like Squarespace and Wix for websites and templates. And now there's a, a you know companies like BeatStar that are coming out that are going to do it with music where people are going to write really good songs over beats that thousands of other people have access to. Oh, that's what you're uh, doing. Yeah, and so I think that that's where music's going to go, and in about 10, 20, maybe even 30 years what's going to happen is everything will be so templated that indie anything will be intriguing because it's different. Hmm. And, uh, and so that's where I think uh, indie comics, indie music, indie film is all going. And that's why I think companies like the IT Comics, as well as even ours, if done correctly, can flourish in the future because it will stand out so easily because everything will be cookie cutter. It's like, hey, we found out that DGAC sounds amazing. If you just play them in this order every time and you just make a good lyric over it. So that's all we're going to do. And then you turn on the radio and it's like, is this the same song? Sounds like a different person singing it, right? But it's the same, <laughs> same thing on loop. And I think people are going to get so, um, you know, nulled by that, that anything new is going to be uh, amazing, even if it's not exceptionally um, 
uh, you know, appealing in the sense that like, uh, you, you know, like, uh, what is it? The golden ratio, that curl that's like very visually appealing. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Things that go outside of that might be interesting purely because we've seen this so often in these templated things. Damn, that's deep. But I agree <laughs> with you 100%, especially at a time where you have the big two Marvel and DC, people are predicting that they're going to stop making new material and just uh, sell their old material as graphic novels. Well, well ironically, their um, uh, new material that they even have been doing, uh, to the thing you mentioned earlier, they've been going like hard left on it, where they're intentionally making comics that, you know, like the diversity hire thing, they're doing stuff for the sake of diversity, not for the sake of a good story. And so, for example, like, I didn't follow this, but my cousin's very deep into, like, whenever he gets interested in something, he dives deep into their background. So, um, do you know how they're making a female Thor? Yeah. That's based on a relatively new comic that it's, the artwork seems really great. I found out through my cousin that apparently it's not well-received. Like, it's okay, but it's not a great story to begin with. And yet they're making a movie on it, right? So it's like, so they're they're basically doing this hard swing where they're like intentionally trying these new things. They're going to see that as the industry not working, and then they're going to do something totally different, which is going to leave this huge gap for new indie creators to come and fill. And as long yeah. as indie creators, this is what I say about music as well, as long as indie creators don't try to be different for the sake of being different, um, and they still make good artwork. They follow, like, I have a, I got a book called, um, uh, right here, called uh, Creating um, Character Arcs, which I don't remember which author I got this from, but uh, they said it's highly recommended because basically every, every story ever written that you would, that you've enjoyed is based off of a, um, what's it called? A archetypal um, story. Like it's something that, if you break it down to its essence, you can, you know, and like, oh yeah, that's why it's a man versus nature, man versus man, man, man versus, versus self. machine, yeah, those type good, of things. Yeah, yeah uh, normal person becomes great, bad person becomes good, things like that. Like, there's these certain patterns that people enjoy because they see it in themselves. And if you try to do something weird for the sake of being weird, then you won't see it. Like, it won't be enjoyable, no. right? And so, as long as indie creators. Um, realize that Marvel and DC are messing up right now in a very small way that's going to slowly accelerate into uh, bad, I really think that it's going to be a very big up, like a positive gap is going to open that's going to allow for all of these unique people in the same way that, like I was saying earlier, like those these beats that will be getting put online, you know, a thousand people might sing a song on it. But the one, the one good one's going to rise to the top, right? So as long as people follow what is good quality artwork, um, good storytelling, and good story uh, character arcs, I think that uh, indie creators have like a very fun window. If they start now and are building for the next five, maybe even ten years, there might be this amazing opportunity that happens in the future. No, I, I agree 100%. And that's what excites me about indie comics is that people have the opportunities to create these amazing stories and amazing art and 
But at the same time, I see so many people pivot from the original series and it's like, oh, well, I did one issue of that. Let me jump over here. And they don't give their original comic time to grow an audience and build that fan base. Yeah, like, like even we're actually kind of doing that, but we're, continu- we're still working on the same one. So we're not getting rid of it or not even coming back to it. We're simultaneously working on it. So we released... Um, what was it? Uh, uh, issue one of the Seer Chronicles. Due to our due to reaching our uh, third stretch goal, we're releasing the Ink series, which is a separate series. But we're Not still working not. on the second issue of the Seer Chronicles. Right. So we've already gone through. Actually, Greg, do we ever finish uh, editing the panels for the Seer Chronicles? Oh no, oh, no. For the second one, no. Yeah, we finished Ink, but we yeah. So, but the whole point is that we're working on them at the same time, so we're not letting one fall to the wayside just to chase another shiny object. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh what we're doing in December. Actually, like we're going away from social media, like our businesses, to uh, focus on like editing the script. So I don't have to. We don't have to do that like next year. So we'll have more time to do other stuff. We're gonna be editing the scripts that we already have uh written we have like two to three issues of all the other solo series that we have um and then those those solo series characters are going into uh, their own graphic novel that uh includes this new character but he's only in that and that's it um no i like that idea that's actually smart because i see so many creators there on social media all day i'm like when are you creating yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so true yeah, we actually, I was talking to the artist that we have that's in Ohio, and I was like, he was saying how social media, like, takes away some of his time. I was like, well, we were thinking, because <laughs> Dylan's, like, business he makes money off of right now. Um, he does marketing and all that other shit, web design, all, all that stuff. Nice. So, yeah, so, if you need a website. Um, so, um, <laughs> uh... <laughs> At so, some point, I really do need a website. Oh. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we, I said, oh, we can. We were thinking of an idea of mark, helping indie creators market on social media so they don't have to do that. So, like, we take that over for them. They give us, like, $5, $10 or whatever, whatever. And um, we'll do, like, Instagram and all that stuff that he does. Yeah, probably more than five or ten bucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so, <laughs> just a penny. Um, but if we get enough of that, then that would, the money would just go back into our business, which all the money that we get goes back into our business in some form, and we'll be able to build and grow and that would also help the indie creators on our platform and, like, anyone that we help. Nah, that's why I'm, I'm glad y'all said this because from listening to y'all, y'all have a plan. Y'all aren't just like, hey, we're going to rely on one comic and that's it. Y'all <laughs> are like, hey, we want to create a imprint and carry other comics because you're thinking of re- generating multiple streams of revenue at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people don't think about that. You can't just rely on this one comic book. You have to diversify. And everything that y'all are saying that y'all are planning to do, that's going to benefit not only your label, but other creators as well and generate more sources of revenue. So I love that. 
Yeah. Well, like one of the things that we noticed right off the bat when looking into the indie comic industry, like when like when we started this like a year and a half, two years ago, whenever it was, um, basically we found out that most indie creators never make their money back on a comic. Like unless they do crowdfunding, they almost never make their money back. And the reason why is that after you pay the, uh, depending on who, how much of this work you do, you potentially could be paying a writer slash editor a uh, a stenciler, an inker, a color, and a letterer for all of that stuff, right? Then after you've already spent hundreds of dollars on that, you now have to pay to print every copy before someone ever holds it, right? right. You have to pay all this up front, and then you have to start making it back. But even if you sell all of those, you probably still haven't made your money back. You have to buy more and do that again until eventually you meet that same line. So after figuring that out, we're like, all right, how else can we do this? Well, first off, we cannot print it. That'll be the first thing. Like we, we have been printing everything that we've been doing printing, I believe, has been um, either crowdfunded or basically pre-bought before we ever printed it. And so yeah. or pre-sold, I guess, before we ever printed it, right? So there's that. Um, but then we're like, well, we can do merchandise. Uh, what can we do for merchandise? And then we just started coming up with random stuff. Like I drink coffee in almost every podcast. And I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if I had our logo on here? So we made a coffee logo, and I actually I still gotta buy that, but it's on our, on our website, so I can get that. And then when I'm drinking, I think it's literally on the right side because I hold it, or is it on the left side? It's on whatever side you usually hold yeah, it. Yeah, it's not because yeah, I was on Greg's left, and I typically hold it with my left hand. It's just on the right side now, just because of my weird setup at the moment. But it would be in my left side like this, and uh, so that it would show on the front. <laughs> so stupid stuff like that, but um. But basically, we built all that out. And then even deeper than that, I realized if we build this out properly enough, we can actually create a template of everything that we've done. And when an indie creator becomes big enough that they believe they can go off on their own, I can then sell them this package. Like, here's a website with a, a way to have your comics on your site digitally, um, sell them physically and have it all handled by a dropshipping company, sell merchandise and have it handled by a dropshipping and uh have a blog and all that stuff all set up for you and so like even after we basically it's almost like we're trying to create a franchise and then selling the concept of the franchise rather than the franchise that's it <laughs> no i love that it's a what's it called comic experience uh they do something similar they don't sell all that but I think people pay a price and they help them develop a comic book and then they pitch it for publication. Uh, I believe through like source point press. I don't know what other publishers are involved in that, but it's pretty much, Hey, we'll help you. We'll groom you. We'll mentor you. We'll help you iron out the kinks for a fee and get you ready. And then boom, get you published. Yeah. And that's, we're trying to get a huge chunk of that part to be so automated that it costs us nothing. And so we can then offer it for free. And by doing that, um, you know, we can help indie creators break past the, you know, the on broke part as far as like, to a degree, eventually like you just have to pay money. But um, the, the idea is to any, any hurdle that shouldn't be an issue. We're trying to remove those hurdles um, as best we can in a way that won't cost anybody anything. Like it'll cost us time up front, but we're hoping that like, like even just, um, uh, what was it yesterday? The reason I only got four hours of sleep is I spent like 
I don't know, 10 hours make, solving a, a coding thing on our website so that when, like, uh, one, one of our uh, comic um, creators on our website pointed out that when they come to our website, they try to view a comic, it tells them they have to sign in, and when they sign in, they have to go through a process that if they don't have a membership, they have to sign up for a membership, um, whether it's the free one or the paid one. But when they do that, it then brings them back to the home page. And I had to spend like hours just <laughs> to figure out how to uh, create a session, track a session, go, what's the last comic they viewed? Did they just recently log in? Did they just recently register? Are they on a new page and it's not a comic? Send them back to the comic. All right. right. I, I, I had to figure all that out and create a program for it. And now it does it on its own automatically. But the point is that I have that forever now. That's mine. So I could, I could sell that. I can hand that out. I can do whatever I want with it. And so that's the type of thing that by spending the time up front and building this stuff out, like it's, we're building value by putting work in that can hopefully either save people time, potentially make us money, you know, whatever it is uh, to move our business along and help others along, you know, is, you know, what we're trying to do. Dude, that's, that will work for a lot of creators. Once y'all get this packaged up and you're like, hey, we can build your website, we can build your online store. Because a lot of these indie books, like, for example, I see a lot of Kickstarters. After the campaign ends, I never see the book again. <laughs> yeah. And if you didn't back it, you're like, okay, uh, that looked kind of interesting. I kind of wanted that book. But you never see the book again. Mm-hmm. Unless that creator happens to do another Kickstarter and offers it as a, a reward. A lot of creators don't have websites cool thing about indiegogo is after the campaign it opens up and becomes a store for you but a lot of people aren't just headed over to indiegogo looking the comics you know to buy so creators have their own website where they ha- have a storefronts you know that's a necessity that a lot of people don't have that's needed damn i just realized something sorry i just thought of just because of something you mentioned there greg remind me about this it's in the um, podcast. Have you ever heard of uh, Blaze TV? <laughs> yeah. No. Have you ever, uh, so, uh, do you know who um, like Ben Shapiro is? Yes. So, him and a bunch of other like conservative news people, or what talking people, I don't know what they're called, just people online. Uh, yeah, t- talking heads, right? So, a bunch, a bunch of them have a system through Blaze TV where if you sign up for any one of their um, platforms, you get access to all the other ones. And I just realized that would be an incredible way to link everyone's sites together, is that instead of charging what we charge now, we could potentially charge slightly more, but if we get the same system built on several other websites, then you would get access to all of them and they would, and, and because everyone's paying their fees in towards it, uh, whatever they're getting, you know, whatever they're getting paid, they would be getting returns on whoever goes and visits their site. Damn. Huh. No, I like that. And it could be an offer, <laughs> like you can have your site independently, or you can link it, you know, to yeah, the main well, site. The way that they did it with the, with the Blaze TV thing is a bunch of the people. If you buy it from them, they typically give you something physical too. So, like, the one that I follow is Steven Crowder. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he, he offers a, a mug. Like, and it's a really nice mug. And so the point is, it's like, <laughs> say it's like 100 bucks a year. 
So you get a mug and then you get access to this huge catalog of everybody else's stuff too. So you get all of his catalog and everyone who's associated with him. And then Ben Shapiro, he does it as well, but he offers like a tumbler on it. Um, I think, I think it says like leftist tears on it or something, right? You know, so it's got, he's got that, um, that he offers. And then, but then you also get access to all the other catalogs. And I'm like, that's brilliant. Cause basically that's what we could do. It's like, Oh, sign up for X number of dollars a year have some uh, hook or some, um, I guess guess it's a hook, but just something that we can offer like the carrot and go, Hey, you'll get this. You'll get access to all our comics as well, but you'll get this immediately. And you get access to all these other sites as well. No, that stuff is just like masterclass where you can go to masterclass.com. You can, there's film directors, actors, uh, all kind of professionals that will teach you how to do their craft. If you apply that to comics where you're like, Hey, you get access to this person's podcast or this person's writing tutorials and so forth. And we'll send you a free copy of their comic. But if you pay X amount for a year, you get access to all these different creators, how to videos, podcasts, whatever bonus material. And we'll send you copies of all these books. That could work. Yeah. A master class for comic book creators. Oh, we're actually... Um... Oh, yeah, we're already working on that. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um... that's what this, you know, like this podcast right here, you know, these type of things, this behind-the-scenes look at the personalities, the creative energies and stuff like that, a lot of fans would pay money for this type of stuff. And yeah, well, the other thing, too, that we noticed that, that while we're working on stuff is that it's very easy to find indie comic creators. It's very hard to find indie comic enthusiasts. And so the people that are going to pay are, you know, the, sometimes the creators support themselves, but obviously that's just a bunch of people sharing their money. And, like, eventually you'll obviously have just paid for your own stuff if you, if you end up supporting enough people, right? Yeah. And so um, what our objective is is to build a platform where we've acquired enough comic book enthusiasts that whether or not they're interested in our comic in general, they can be interested in other people. So we do want to be a platform that helps creators. So we do want to be able to have like a, you know, a masterclass for creators, but the objective of the, um, the platform actually like having something to offer the main source that we're trying to target is, uh, people who are interested in indie comics. And so that's that's the thing that, or comic books in general, right? And so that that's uh, that's been like the toughest thing, but that's that's why we're trying to get the quantity. Like right now, we're just under, or we've hit 50 comics on our website, and um, more than that. Well, I, the active ones, some of them are up there, but they don't have the comics uploaded yet. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like ones that have the comics available on there. And so basically, that's kind of the. Um, the thing that we're working on is like if we hit like a thousand comics on there that's really good to go yeah you get access to a thousand comics for whatever it is 10.99 a month right so it like that's that's something that's really valuable and so that's what we're hoping to get to and then we can um start pushing our marketing a lot heavier and once we do that now we're starting to have income for creators you know and and by doing that like we're, we're we've now become a funnel for viewers so even though they only like horror comics they've come through us which means any other horror horror creator can now attach themselves to that little group 
even though that group is a very widely um, varied group. Like I've talked about the fact that a lawyer can be a comic fan and so can the janitor, right? Like it's such a wide range that really all you can do is pull them all together and then go, hey, here's a bunch of things that we have. What do you like? That's true. So what I've been waiting for is to see a breakout character from an indie book. Yeah, like a, like a what, what the hell? Damn it! It was it was something Dark Horse ended up publishing, but it was some comic that became really big before they got it, and then they made a movie out of it. Spawn? Yeah. No. What? No, it's not Spawn. Is it? No, not Spawn. Hellboy. Oh, it might have been Hellboy. That oh, be I think it was Hellboy. Out. Yeah, where, like, he was, uh, yeah, like, it was an indie comic that ended up getting picked up by Dark Horse because it gained so much traction on its own, and then it became, like, a movie, and they either made another movie or a TV show or something recently on it. They made right. another movie, but it bombed. Original movies, and then uh, this year they came out with a new one. Uh, yeah. You know, so that's three movies. That's success to me. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing. It's like, but that's that's an outlier, and we're hoping that basically what we can do is pull together so many people that it just ha- like they will be outliers because obviously if we get a thousand creators not every one of them is you know the brett Favre or the you know you know tom brady and <laughs> uh, but you know like they're not they're not going to be the best of all of them you need to find the you know the best ones but we're hoping to be the 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 source that can help that like because Dark Horse found, you know, can find those comics or Image Comics or what is it, IDW Productions. Like they can find them after they've already made a name for themselves. We want to be the ones that help them get a name and continue to support them. Yeah, like it'd be great to be like this is a Sierra com- uh, Nova Comics production, you know. No, I, I equate a lot of this to independent record labels and people finding a band or a singer and grooming them like 21 pilots before, you know, they signed their big major record label. And now they're huge. And you have a lot of that. I want to see more of that happen with the indie comic creators. You know, Malcolm Gladwell, you uh, you touched on one of his books. Was it Allies? <laughs> yeah. Have you read The Tipping Point? I've not read The Tipping Point yet, but I do also have that. The tipping point is basically about why things become popular. And you need those innovators. And in 2019, you need the social media influencers to make something popular. Yeah. Like Kylie Jenner, she got paid $50,000 for that fire festival thing just to make one post. Yeah. This this one right here, I believe, is the concept of the tipping point, but it focuses purely on the how not just the concept of it and it talks about the fact that um basically you have the early adopters or what is it the uh, people that basically buy anything then there's like the early adopters then there's this point where the early adopters have to uh get the accepting majority because there's like the accepting majority the non-accepting majority then the late the late people that i end up buying you know they're still using vhs kind of thing (laughs) and um but yeah, like that's the whole concept of this book, is uh, is trying to get people like you have to get you you obviously have to get those um, newbie people like Apple got those people that get in line. Those are like the people that are always buying them the second the new ones out. You need those people, and then you need them to tell enough people that it becomes mainstream. Yeah, that, that's that little break. You need point. those influencers. Like, yeah, 
they were, I say, if you get a big YouTuber, like Philip DeFranco, to wear yes. the Sierra no, uh, Nova t-shirt that you're wearing right now. Yeah, he put a lot of people, that. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people are going to go out and buy that t-shirt. They're going to go and buy the comics in return because, hey, Philip DeFranco has millions of followers. He's, he's saying, giving it a thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's giving the thumbs up. And so people, they're followers. A lot of people are followers by nature. That's why they lean on religion or politics. Yeah. Uh, and they need somebody to say, hey, this is cool. Thumbs up. I'm co-signing it. Go buy it. And they will buy it. That's why social media influencers get so much money for paid sponsorships. Yeah, I was going to say, it's funny. Like, if I had more money, I'd be buying so much of the stuff that Philly D promotes. Just because, like, it is good stuff. And it's just like, damn, if I wasn't broke as fuck, I'd be buying all that stuff. <laughs> well, hello, you beautiful bastards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, was, I was just watching it last night. So, yeah, no, I, I watch Philly D, like, every day. But, um, yeah, exactly. Like, that'd be great to get that type of support. But I think that the best way to do it is, do you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is? No. So definitely I recommend if you want to get better at social media, follow Gary Vaynerchuk. He basically tells you everything, how to do it for free. There are three specific tactics that um, you can look these up if you don't want to just watch all of his content. Um, but essentially, A, uh, there's the $1.80 principle, which means you should spend a uh, spend $1.80 online on every platform where... You go to, um, you know, uh, for Instagram specifically is where he made this up. You find a hashtag that you want to be known for. You go to the top nine posts and you leave your two cents on it. And you do that for 10. So 10 times nine times uh, uh, two cents is a dollar eighty, right? And so basically that that's how you become part of the community. And that's the first way to grow. The next one is um, the, I think he calls it the, the content model or the 86 slide content model. And the whole point is that you create these keystone, or not keystone, pillar content. So like this podcast for us is considered pillar content. It's a long form content. There's a lot of stuff that we can chop out of this later into smaller micro content. So basically yep, yep. we take this content, it goes onto YouTube and it goes onto all the podcast platforms. Later, we can either do it ourselves, although I'm not going to, We can, or we can pay somebody to transcribe them, and now we have a blog, right? Yep. Now we have written content. We can then take snippets of that blog, and now we've got Twitter posts. We can then take snippets of the video, and now we have Instagram posts. We can then take uh, longer video clips uploaded to LinkedIn, um, Facebook, uh, even YouTube clips kind of style, um, IGTV, right? We could take gifts or like funny small moments, turn them into TikTok videos, uh, gifts for Twitter, um, things like that. Uh, and then basically you just keep breaking it down. So that's the content model. And then the most recent one I actually have not gone through because he just released it on his birthday on the 14th. So happy birthday, Gary. Um, but uh, basically <laughs> it's how to make 64 pieces of content in a day, every day. I read it. You read it? Yeah, I still got to read yeah. that. So the whole point is that like, it's how to make massive amounts of content that you are found um, organically, right? And so like, that's- no, Complex does that a lot, and BuzzFeed does that a lot. They'll take, like you said, this video, they'll take one subject, oh, they're talking about uh, cheese. 
and then I'll make a little separate video where we're just talking about cheese. Yep. For whatever reason, we would be talking about cheese. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, even if it's, whether it's humor. So basically the two things that work the best on every platform are educate or inter entertain. If you yep. can do one of those two things, you will provide value in some sort on the platform. Facebook and those three companies are trying to compete for your attention. Facebook has had it for so long that they've kind of been solidified uh, in there. They're going to slowly start costing more and be worth less to you. Um, YouTube has been uh, is probably at its peak. It's probably very valuable right now. It's still worth getting into. It's going to slowly decline in value, but still worth getting into. And again, same with Facebook. It's just that they're they're, they're at different lines in the curve. Uh, curve, but LinkedIn is still on its way up. It has not reached its peak organic reach. So um, when face Facebook first came out with pages, if someone followed you, they saw your content. Now there are so many pages, so many friends, so many users that it is impossible to show them everyone's content. So they came up with this algorithm called EdgeRank that shows you shows your content to anywhere between three to 5% of your audience. And that was back in 2014. Now it's closer to one to 3%, right? Exactly. So if you have a thousand people, there's only 10 to 30 people seeing your stuff, unless it's entertaining or educational in such a way that those people engage with it. And then Facebook will automatically start sharing that to more people because their goal is to keep people on the platform. And if your content's doing it, they're going to share it. So literally like Facebook ads become cheaper, the better your content is. Hmm. So that if you make really good content that keeps people on their platform, you will actually get further reach for less cost. I like that. Yeah. And it's brilliant. It works perfectly. Where like Google ads, you pay per click. It doesn't matter. They don't, they're sending you someplace else anyways. They don't care if they stay on the platform because of it. Right? <laughs> they, care, they care that they're using Google. But outside of that, they don't care, right? And so that's the thing. It's like, so you by learning how the platforms work and using the platforms the way they want you to use them, you can grow really fast. So like, for example, um, TikTok is, is in the stage that Instagram was, like right after they added stories where they started exploding because they started competing with, um, what's it called? Uh, Snapchat, thank you. And so they're like, they're on like this upward bound burst right now. And so you can, you can get like a million followers accidentally if you do the right things, right? Like if you, and so one of the easiest things to do is post every day on there and they, they can be like 15 second clips. They can be entertaining or educational. And so you do one of those two things. And then this one, actually, I was just watching a video last night about this. The more you use the, the new tools that that platform offers, the more likely your stuff will get pushed organically because they want to test their new features. Yeah. So if I'm using Instagram and they just had like, uh, do you use Instagram? Yeah. So do you like when they have the, do you follow, or sorry, do you follow Instagram on Instagram? No. So if you do, they will tell you when new features come out. And if you watch their stories when they come out and you see a new feature, start using it immediately. If you start using it, they're going to naturally push that because they want to see if it's good. If by pushing it, people stay, then they then they get what they wanted, and if but, but they're, you're getting what you want out of it regardless because more people are seeing you, even if it's not working quite the way you want it to, you're still being seen by more people, and so it's like a it's a very cool um, 
point right now with all those platforms. I know I don't know how we tangent off on this. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I was like, I had like a three hour conversation about this yesterday. No, so I'm, I'm like, just oh, absorbing oh. the knowledge. This is good because you're taking a tech approach to comics from the back end without devaluing the creative end of things. That's I'm smart. That. that hasn't been done. Yeah, well, so that's what's talking about disrupting the industry. Everything you're talking about, because a lot of people, uh, they get into comics as a creator, as a fan. Oh, I'm a fan of this. Nothing wrong with that. But they don't understand, they're not business people. And they're not looking at it as, and this is the reason why a lot of comic book shops close. They're not approaching it from that business aspect of, hey, this is an investment of time, money, and talent. Yeah, this, this book right here, if you ever want to have a successful business, I 100% recommend reading this book. I would say it's an almost requirement um, to have a long-term successful business. It's called The E-Myth Revisited, and the entire concept is um, a small business, when it opens, uh, I think it's something like 70% fail in the first year, and 80% of the remaining fail in the next five years. That's true. <laughs> However, a franchise within the same five years, 95% of them are still open. Now, the reason for that is that the way a franchise is built is that it's replicatable because everything has been systematized. So Greg knows this. Every time Greg comes across a problem and I walk him through it, I go create a work instruction. <laughs> that, way, that way, there's never that problem again. In fact, in the future, I'm going to take those work instructions and write software to them and go, okay, now when you have a problem, click a button. I like this. And one thing I've noticed, you, uh, throughout this conversation, you said the same thing, you know, hey, we're going to package this so we can duplicate it. Yep. Those work instructions are super helpful. Like, for, for example, uh, I, had, uh, I had Greg for our last um, uh, campaign follow these steps it, it was in a, another book <laughs> oh, right next to it yeah i got a book for it all <laughs> this, this one the, the hundred dollar startup incredible book this, for maybe for indie creators this would probably be one of the most helpful books out there because it's or just like, our just blog um yeah, <laughs> or just read our blog <laughs> but um basically uh. on this guy's website um 100startup.com there's six resources that i've used mm, i don't know I've used it personally four times um, in the sense that uh, once I explain what it is, it'll make sense. But I've shared it with anyone I ever know who's starting a business. There are six resources on there on the resource page. One of them is like, um, what, uh, what the hell is it called? Uh, the one page business plan. Most people never write a business plan because nope. they, think they have to write a 40 page thing. They're going to show an investor one day. That's nonsense. You need a plan without a plan. You're just going to fail. Right. And I, but you also should spend your entire time planning because then you're never doing Right. So honestly, I don't remember who I heard this from recently, but the objective, like, when you come up with a cool idea, take action immediately. Once you've got a little ball rolling, stop and make a plan and then do it again. Right. And just keep doing that back and forth and perfect your plan and keep taking action. And that's the best way to do anything you ever want to accomplish ever. Right. Even if it's become jacked, right. Just go to the gym because your plan ain't going to do crap if you're not showing up to the gym. So start by going to the gym. Even if you literally don't lift a, lift a weight or, you know, touch a treadmill, get to the physical gym. Exactly. Right? exactly. You know, and so, so that, that's like, you know, the step one. 
And then the other one was, because uh, like I said, there's six different um, resources on there, but the one that I had Greg use was the 39-step launch plan uh, to launch a product. Now, even though we're running a Kickstarter campaign, this this I knew that this would still be effective because I've read through it all before. So I told Greg, follow everything in here that you can that's applicable to us, and if it's not applicable, see if you can come up with an alternative, and if not, it's okay to scrap it. There's 39 steps. I'm sure some of these are going to stick. So yeah. he went through and he did that for this campaign and we got almost double what we asked for, right? So clearly it's effective and all he did was try follow a checklist, right? And so now I was like, all right, Greg, now that you've gone through that and you know what you did compared to what was written, write your own checklist and now we have comic book creator Kickstarter uh, launch checklist. I like this. You're establishing the proof of concept by showing, hey, we followed this checklist. We've already identified what works, what doesn't work as far as a comic book uh, creation applied to a Kickstarter. And now we can sell this to, to someone else or even test it out with two or three other people. And like, yeah, this is our proof of concept. We've tested it out with multiple campaigns. This really does work. It's not just a one and done concept. That's brilliant. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the biggest thing too. If you're if you're gonna do something, um, it's it's funny too because I've heard uh, two different sayings, but I like both of them. One of them, like if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well, right? You've heard that one. So that's kind of like what we're doing now is like we're making sure that what we're doing is being effective. However, we're also yeah. not letting that letting us hold that up because there's another quote that's if it's worth doing it's also worth doing badly because it's worth doing period and if you can't do it well just do it right so we didn't go through the 39 step launch plan make sure it was perfect figure out what was in there write up our steps and then go back and test it you know we just did it right and then we worked on it right so it, that's the other thing too is like you should try to be as good as you can be, but don't let that ever hold you up from doing something. It's the right. <laughs> where my video go? Okay. I was like, where my video go? Okay, so my question is, at some point, are y'all going to put all of this knowledge in a book format? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so, uh, <laughs> um, there's a joke that we had uh when he was living in new york and we used to get these microwavable chinese dinner things from uh like a grocery store that's by his apartment and oh, wait, Greg, i'll let you know i saved one uh, <laughs> so <clears throat> yep that's what it was yeah general sal meal for two even though we both definitely ate our own meal for two um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it's four ninety nine, so it's five bucks. And essentially, um, the way that we cooked it was in in my microwave. Where it, it, if you do five minutes at power five, and we did that so often, I was like, "You'd be great if we just wrote a book about the story from beginning to end of us creating all this." <laughs> and we just called it Five for Five. Like it had nothing to do with the story. It was just the fact that it was something that we did. That um, basically, I'm a very I try to be hyper productive. I'm ADHD, so that doesn't always work. But the point is that if I can be hyper productive, 
when I'm in my conscious mind and not ADHDing somewhere, then I can make the most of my, you know, flow time, right? And so what I do is like, I always try to save time. So if I have to go to the grocery store because I don't already have food at home, I will then buy a meal so that I can just microwave it when I get home and save that time. So that's how it started, just grabbing one meal, right? So then just doing stuff like that. So that's essentially that same concept of how I save time for that is how I save time for the company, which is coming up with these the, the idea for having a catalog of work instructions, a catalog of systems that we have uh, created. And so essentially by by being hyperproductive that whole time, we are accidentally creating all of the stuff we will need to eventually create a book. And Greg is now writing the start. I think he recently started the actual story to that where there'll be information in it, but it's also going to be in a story format. Yeah. Because yeah. In I like books, yeah like, like there's a book called uh, the power of habit, uh, regardless of the concept of the book, the way that it's written, I remember the entire book. Because every, like, 50% of the book is a story and 50% of the book is straight knowledge and it alternates back and forth throughout the whole book. I like that you have a book for everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of of helpful because uh, I, I have a lot of random knowledge because I read a lot and so it's helpful to be able to physically go oh idea this idea and now it's one thing i don't have to have like this random floating thought in my head <laughs> no, i like that because you never know when you can apply that knowledge oh 100 that's that's why i i um read physical books it's not just a trophy shelf although it does help because uh, i like that but uh it's <laughs> it's the fact that it gives me a physical reminder like just recently actually, i don't even know if i told greg this i reorganized the books that i've read so that they're not in the order that I read them. Cause I used to be able to do that. Like I was so, I got so caught up in the books for, for a while that I could tell you like how many books ago I read a certain book and I could spell out the authors. Uh, even if it was like some weird Russian name, I could spell it out. Um, and I could be like, okay. And the idea I want is in chapter eight and open to it. Like really weird. Right. So I got like super into it, but then I started getting so deep into it that I, I started losing that. It wasn't as a value anymore. So now I started clumping them into ideas. So like these are sales and marketing books, business and leadership books, self-development books, uh, relationship books or, ne- or uh, no. So no, it was a self-development, psychology, philosophy, relationship. And so like I started like separating the books out like that. And now I have these clumps of ideas and I found out that's even more helpful because essentially I can take three ideas and go, oh, use these ideas, right? And I can literally like grab a section. <laughs> I'm mad because I'm like, we all need a Dylan on our team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a uh, complete tangent, but um, the, my, my brother, who's like I said earlier, is doing music production. Mm-hmm. Uh, that. I'm, you know, I'm the Dylan on his team because he's trying, he's gotten, he spent all his time getting really good at music and has no idea about business. So instead he's grabbing me and I'm basically, I, I, I'm, he came up with a small idea and I'm like, oh, but you could do this with it. And then now because he's heard that, he's like, oh, actually this is how other people do it. We should do it like this. I'm like, oh, there's a background where there's already a system built out. Perfect. I'll take this. And then what we're going to do is branch it off over here. And then it's like, oh, yeah. And if we do that, we can grab these people. And so now we have like a, you know, a team of like six different people we're going to be working with. 
to this, you know, music empire, right? And so it's like cool that I can then take those concepts, bring them back to the comic book company that I'm working on. And ironically, the concepts we came up in the comic book company are what I'm using in the music one. Huh. No, I like that. When I came to Antarctic Press, they've been in business 35, 36 years. I was naive. I was thinking that, hey, they've been in business. They would have dedicated blogs, reviewers, social influencers, all that to take care of all their promotion and marketing. I was naive thinking that all those things would be in place. But when I got in there and my books came out, even before they came out, I realized none of those things were in place. And so my book suffered sales-wise. And so I realized, yeah, when you publish with someone, the creator's going to have to do their share of promotion. But I was assuming that the company would do a bunch of promoting and marketing. But I learned differently. Uh (laughs) So I learned, you know, that just because a company's been around for a while, they don't necessarily have these tools in place. Well, it's or not even just in place, you know, yeah. to make those things happen. I was gonna say it's not even just having the tools. It's some of them don't even think they need them, or they don't understand them. Or so there's a book called "The Twenty Two <laughs> Immutable Laws of Marketing." It's a mm-hmm. super small read. I highly recommend checking this out if you're trying to sell anything. If you were trying to start your own business, um, the, like before you even started, I would read this because this might even help you change your mind on what type of business you want to create. But, but basically, um, like I've, I've read this probably two, three times, and there are major corporations that don't follow, like this is the 22 immutable, unchanging, forever the same laws of marketing, right? And yet there are big corporations that don't follow these rules these laws and I watched them fail in live time. It's hilarious. This book was written forever ago and it talks about certain companies that followed them and certain ones that didn't. And some of the companies it references are either closed or like doing terrible now. And they were referenced as bad examples. Like it was like literally like it's proving itself. And um, like it talks about the law of uh, category, the law of duality. So for example, um, can you name three colas, right? Three three cola products, right? Co- oh, Coca-Cola. is that the one? The story about the guy who I believe was Dr. Pepper, and for a year he was like, "We're not gonna uh, do any marketing promotion," and they yeah. lost like eighty million dollars. No, that is pretty funny. But no, I mean like the fact that you can name Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Now name another company that makes cola. RC Cola. What? Yeah, you know that. One, right? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, like, who owns RC? Oh yeah, it's I don't know. RC. They're actually their oh, own, they're actually their own company. But if you look at how much money they make, it goes Coca Cola, Pepsi, RC Cola. Even though they make a ton of money, just because the industry happens to be huge, it's so much less because the law of duality shows there's going to be a leader, there's going to be a second place guy, and then it's going to dip, right? And then then there's um like the law of categories, right? So you should you should find a category you're in and stick to it and be that category. So for example, and that's that's the one that you know Tim Ferriss is. No, not so, so Tim Ferriss is huge uh, in the business slash self self help. He's written five best selling books and four of them are this large or bigger. 
You see this thing? Oh, damn. One's a, yeah, big ass. Yeah, big ass book. Um, yeah, so four of them are that size or bigger. And then the first one was the four-hour work week. But um, he talks about the law of category, which is the second law in this book. And it talks about, like, so do you know who, do you ever heard of the name Lindenberg? Yes. Yeah, he's the first person to, uh, I think, fly across the Atlantic um, Ocean solo by himself. Do you know who um, Bert Hinkler is? No. Sounds like a made-up name, right? That's the second That's the second guy that flew across the Atlantic. <laughs> and he did it faster with less resources. Now, do you know who okay. Amelia Earhart is? So, do you think... Oh, the last one. Do you know who Amelia Earhart is? Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah, she's the third person. But she's the first woman to do it. And so she selected a category, and that's why she's remembered. And so that's that's the whole concept right there is too many people try to compete with someone on their level. If they've already established themselves, you're not going to beat them, right? Nope. Like Kleenex is Kleenex. Like, <laughs> isn't it facial tissue? No, everyone calls it Kleenex, right? In the future when you're using, um, you know, what's her, uh, Alexa to order Kleenex, that's how you're going to say it, right? And so they're going to win. And... So yeah, the big thing with that is uh, oh, get in there. Yeah, the big the big thing with that is that uh, if you're trying to you know grow your business, grow your comic, right? For example, don't try to beat Marvel. Don't try to beat Spawn like a specific comic, right? Like don't try to beat anything. Be your own thing and build it out. Now again, you have to follow those rules like the golden ratio stuff, like the story arc stuff. It has to be appealing, but don't don't sway so far from um what works just to be unique just do it enough so that do, do it enough so that you're neat, unique but not for the sake of uniqueness for the sake of the category right I like that. Yeah. so my question for you is do you think and this is not just comics any company uh and this is what i was getting at you can work for a company i say 10 20 years and you get so used to the way the company does things that it just closes your mind off to new ideas and new approaches to doing that same business. Cause you're like, well, it's worked for us this long. <laughs> yeah, but a hundred percent. I work, I worked as a mechanical engineer and electrical engineer for four years. And when I got there in the first year, I figured out three problems that would save the company six to seven figures over a year to a five year time period. And I was basically told, no, that's not how we do things. <laughs> uh, Dude, that happens so many times, or you might be the guy that's sweeping up the floors, but since you're not an executive, oh, your opinion don't matter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. That happened a lot. Just oh, because I got, I got, you're I got not in that conference room, your opinion yeah. don't matter, you're the new guy, what do you know? Yep, I got permission from the GM one time, and then my boss told me no. Literally, like that's that's the type of shit that I dealt with. So I, I'm fully, I fully am aware that people can get their mind closed because they see the industry one way, and that's what that's why I think that the indie comic industry and entertainment in general is going to take the the big creators are going to take big dives, opening huge windows for the indie creators or the just the new people. Um, indie, honestly, to me, just means new until it's no longer indie, right? Um, so the whole point is that um, there's this huge opportunity that will be coming because the old wave uh, isn't adjusting and the only way they are adjusting like we were talking about earlier ironically is kind of the SJW stuff where they're like they hear these 10 people shouting super loud so they're assuming that they're correct 
Like, uh, did you see the Dave Chappelle stand-up that came out a couple months ago? The new one? Yes. Yeah. Amazing. One of the best stand-ups I've ever seen, and one of his best stand-ups. And yet, all of the critics gave it like a zero on Rotten Tomatoes, and it had a 99% by the audience. But do you know what's funny? (laughs) Disney, when they go to make their next movie, reads the critics, and they ignore the audience. And that's why they they make movies that don't make sense sometimes, right? Now, Disney's been around long enough that they have such a powerful name and they have such resources that they can make their movies good anyways, but good won't cut it when you have creators that eventually get these templates. Like I said, Squarespace Wix, all of a sudden you have a magically amazing website. Um, Renderforce, you have a magically amazing video. Once that stuff becomes readily available available to the populace, it's not going to matter that Disney has resources if they can't compete with the story anymore, or if they can't conce- uh, compete with the the character arc anymore, right? And so, like that's that's why it's going to be amazing to see what happens. Like, if you wanted to be an artist years ago, you had to not only you know teach yourself and become really well off, you had to go to school for it, and then you had to network and know somebody. Now you can draw it in your basement, put it on Instagram, and become famous. Some some dude I follow on Instagram, I started following him, I don't know, four months ago because I saw one video. It was amazing. I'm like, that's really cool. He takes these, like, peanut shells and makes a a figurine out of it. He he got so many followers that one random follower took his art, submitted it to Guinness Book of World Records, and now he's in there. They, They mailed him something. And he's like, I didn't even know I applied for this. And some random <laughs> fan did it for him. Like, he, he's huge now. And it's so funny because all he did was make artwork and put it on, on social media. Yep. I see it all the time. But my phone yeah. is about to die. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't want y'all to be like, what happened to him? <laughs> Oh man, we didn't even go through any of these questions. That's awesome. See, I like that though. The, the, the free form ones are way better. Yeah. No, I like having conversations versus just uh. So, what is your favorite color? <laughs> what is your favorite color? It is blue. Oh, <laughs> oh mine too. Everyone's is blue. Cause then it's like an awkward first date where you just like. <laughs> That's what it's you call it's it. weird, but I like actual podcast. conversations where. You know, the conversation just goes wherever it goes, and a lot of information is just given freely. Yeah. No, I, I love that stuff. It's, it's, uh, that's, that's what I do basically every time I meet new people. I just have weird, long conversations about randomness. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, thank y'all for having me on here. If y'all want me back, just let me know. Yep. I'll come back. Definitely. And uh, before we let you go, like I want to cut the podcast, but then I wanted to say something before we let you go. So uh, for Greg, uh, thank you for everyone uh, that's joined us for the podcast. I hope you learned something new since I know we tangent off into a bunch of different topics and uh, we'll see you next time.